Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Thanks, bro. Well done, team. That's what it looks like. It's one example of uh, transforming our community in the name of Jesus. Uh, we don't want to be a church that just gathers on Sunday and has a great time or has a time that we've done every other Sunday. We want to be a community transforming our community in the name of Jesus by being present, authentic, courageous and generous. Uh, and that's one example of what it looks like. So thank you, f- um, Jenny. Uh, if you ever need... Um, uh, I don't think it's unfair to say a pick-me-up or a good story, uh, go and talk to Jenny Gibson because she'll give you one. There's no worry about that. Um, she knocks on the door, probably, oh, well, when she's in the office because you know, she, she sends messages. Jenny's in the office generally on Wednesdays and then she sends messages and says, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to go to Donald or I've got to go to Timbuktu and uh, visit someone. And often she goes to those places seeking to go out into the community and then someone's cancelled. So uh, she does a a power of work in just being a light and a presence in our community and uh, then she comes back in the office late in the afternoon sometimes knocks on the door and says guess what happened today Um, so if you ever need to hear that story uh, go and see Jenny Um, we'll go and see Trixie for that matter as well so so Mark chapter 8 and chapter 9 just let me pray Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for that story. That is uh, just affirm the prayers of Jared as well, and the heart that you, you uh, your heart behind those prayers. Uh, and as we take this time, we just pause, we stop. We want to be in your word. Uh, we want to um, we want to come alive in you. We want your word to reveal something to us, uh, perhaps about us, about you, uh, Father. We we want to just come closer to you. We need to come closer to you. So yeah, Father, I pray that the words that I speak would be the words of your Spirit. They would plant seeds, uh, perhaps seeds in what might be dark places for some people. Uh, But Father, we pray the planting of those seeds would bring uh, new life, uh, renewal, resurrection, um, and that anything that's not of you would just fall away and die. Uh, Everything of you would come about and bring new life. And in this, uh, we give you thanks and honour and praise in expectation of who you are and what you will do amongst us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I took up the opportunity to play competitive football at the age of 35. Um, and I'll say the opportunity, um, I could tell you a few stories. I, I love growing up playing sport. Uh, I was a bit of a sport nut. Um, I was uh, captain of primary school football team and cricket team. Uh, when I was 12, I had a kidney taken out and I was told not to play competitive sports such as football and cricket. So I obeyed that for 25 years until I was watching and I was doing the runner's job or helping out Waterboy out at Pimp Footy Club because a neighbour was a coach there and uh, I thought, oh, I reckon I could probably do that without hurting myself too much. Um, and so I, and I've been training for a number of years without playing and people have been asking me to come and play for a couple of years and I said, no, no, I can't, I've only got one kidney. And then I said to Andrea, if I find a pr- protective vest, you reckon it'll be okay to play? Andrea said yes, thinking that I wouldn't find a protective vest. Um, 
I found a vest um, that kind of guarded my kidneys. Uh, so, I, I don't, and I honestly, I just thought I'd play reserves footy because that's all I really wanted to do. Just play reserves footy, just go and run around, knock a few heads. Um, no, I didn't do that. I used to go to school when I was teaching CRE and kids would be excited because they'd heard I'd been in a punch-up. Uh, it never happened. It just, stories are good. But, uh, so I played a couple of games of reserves footy and then all of a sudden I got selected for the senior team, the A-grade side, and which kind of blew me away. And I, I love reserves footy. I just, I don't know, I found heaps of space. I just uh, would run. I was taking marks. I was, you know, and people were kind of celebrating and, and, you know, excited about it. And then I got selected for seniors footy. And it was just this next level up that I felt like I was doing the wrong thing the whole time. Which is, sounds crazy for country footy, but there's a big gap between reserves and seniors footy. And so I found myself questioning and going to the coach and asking if I was doing it right. I found myself in this place of doubt, despite the fact that running around on a football field, loving it, being able to do, have this sense of freedom in being able to play the game, being able to hit targets with the ball, kick a couple of goals. You know, I did a couple of good things and all of a sudden I got to seniors footy and I, I found myself on the ground literally watching other players who were like 10 times better than me. All of a sudden, these seeds of doubt got into my, into my I guess, my freedom, into the, fe- the sense that I had about playing football with a sense of freedom, uh, that kind of took away the enjoyment of the game. And I remember the coach saying to me, Simon, don't worry so much about what's right or wrong. Don't worry about the right spots, the wrong spots, whether you're getting something right. Just go out and play the game. You're selected on your merits just go and play and enjoy it. Incidentally, just a little aside, a brag moment, at the age of 40, I made my debut, debut in the only game I played in interleague and we came from 28 points down to win the game over in Maryborough. So, um, yeah, I was... was <laughs> well, that was a lame kind of clap, wasn't it? <laughs> I'll brag to myself then. That's fine. We spent a lot of time... Uh, wondering if we're doing something right. I don't know, have you ever felt that moment where you're positive, where you're energised, where you're excited, and then maybe you make a mistake? Or something outside your control affects the outcome? Or maybe you just have kind of, just where once you felt this energy and this excitement, this enthusiasm, and all of a sudden a couple of small things, maybe not mistakes, maybe not terribly dramatic, but they're just taking away the sense of freedom that you felt last week or even yesterday. You experience, maybe you experience disappointment. Maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's in your, um, just in your church, <laughs> maybe it's in your faith even, in your relationship with Jesus. You experience this disappointment or someone or something didn't live up to the expectations that you might have. And all of a sudden, this freedom that you once had and you once felt is you've kind of lost and taken away. Or perhaps you've, you've given your heart and your soul to an idea, a long-term project, where maybe um, and someone shoots holes in it or just they, they don't even intend to shoot holes in it. They just ask questions that maybe makes you question everything that you've been doing. The thing when that starts to happen is we wonder we begin to wonder if what we do has any significance. And not even if the task of what we do or what we are a part of has any significance, it becomes about if I have any significance. 
if I have any value. And this is what doubt has the capacity to do. Doubt has the capacity to question our significance. Doubt's not even necessarily unhealthy on its own, but unchecked, unmarked, it becomes something that questions and places values or raises questions about the value of who I am as a person. Where once we felt excited, where once we felt certain, where once we felt um, confident, all of a sudden we've lost um, this sense of confidence. We become uncertain, we lose momentum, we lose interest, we lose motivation, and we go through the motions if we leave doubt unchecked, but perhaps our heart isn't really in it. See, doubt unchecked becomes unbelief. And it becomes unbelief not only in what maybe we might have been working on, but it can quickly become, depending on your environment, it can quickly become uh, doubt in ourselves, it can quickly become doubt um, and unbelief in what we value, and it can quickly, doubt can quickly shift um, into an unbelief about God and who God is. But what if doubt, what if doubt is a catalyst? What if doubt is actually an invitation? What if doubt is the catalyst for deeper encounter with Jesus that might transform our lives? And what if doubt is an invitation to see something die in us or the way that we think so that new life can take root and flourish? So today I really want to encourage us and if you're new amongst us, if you're checking out this church thing or this Jesus person for the first time, really hope and pray that there might be a moment where your life gets a little bit transformed. And in fact for all of us that the invitation is to press into Jesus despite our doubts so that we might experience transformation. Because when we feel faithless, Jesus is faithful. When we feel faithless, Jesus is faith-filled. I want to unpack for us today a little bit of the movement in the crowd and we'll just see what happens here. Because in my mind and my spirit at the moment, I'm still not sure. So we'll see. So Mark chapter 8, if you're following along or if you've got your Bibles open, I want to go back... Um, if you're following along, we, we, we were going to look at Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29, but I, I felt like it was important to see this movement of the crowd. We've been talking about how the crowd can shape us and move us and have this energy and this momentum, but at the same time, the crowd can be a place where it shifts into something we didn't expect it to be or even becomes a little bit mindless. We just follow along without much thought. And I want to demonstrate that today. In Mark chapter 8, uh, verse 34, we read this. Then Jesus... Oh, there's a table there. Uh, then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So there's this fascinating moment where Jesus is being followed and he's been in and out of towns. He's done these miraculous things. And what we need to know about the Gospels is that nothing is written by accident. There's nothing put in order of what the Scriptures told by accident. It's not a mismatch of stories. It has intent and it follows along. So we see these stories unfolding of Jesus doing these wonderful miracles and moving in and out, going from one side of the, the Lake of Galilee to the other side, which is a big thing in this first century kind of Jerusalem, Palestine area. It's a huge thing to go to the other side of the lake. You just don't do it. But Jesus is going crisscrossing the lake, moving around his hometown, and then he's 
he's calling the crowd to him. He's inviting the crowd with him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That in itself is a whole other message. But um, we'll maybe see a little bit of that shortly. In nine, chapter 9 verses 14 to 18, we see the disappointment of the crowd. When they came to the other disciples... Um, so Jesus and a few disciples have been up having a wonderful um, time together in a, a mountaintop experience, which we'll, uh, we might get to. Uh, but these disciples with Jesus had come down the mountain. They saw a large crowd around a smaller group of disciples and the teachers of the law arguing with his disciples. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? Jesus asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech and whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. They see a large crowd. Jesus calls a large crowd, separates himself and then there still remains a large crowd looking for the spectacular and the miraculous, which in itself is not unhealthy. But when the miraculous and the spectacular doesn't happen, guess what it feeds? Doubt and disappointment. And some of us know that and have felt that. We've looked for the miraculous. I'm sure Trixie paid for a miraculous thing, to, uh, prayed for a miraculous to clear out a debt. And it happened. It just took a little bit longer than a miracle might normally it's a slow miracle. But this fascinates me as we move through and we get to Mark chapter 9 verse, uh, verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene. What? There's this fascinating, did you get the fascinating movement in the crowd here? In one moment, Jesus is calling the crowd to him. In the next moment, there's a crowd who are gathered around arguing. And the next moment, there's a crowd running to Jesus. There's a lot of people here. And that's how we sometimes operate, you and I. We're a part of the crowd and we feel called and we feel inspired and we feel revved up. Rah, Jesus, thank you, yes. And then we're part of a crowd where Jesus hasn't quite lived up to our expectations. But hang on a minute, is Jesus about to do something that I get really excited by and will make me feel better? And so we come running back, full of excitement. And in the midst of all this, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, my follower, my, the one who learns my ways... You have to be willing to deny yourself, take up a cross, know my pain, experience my pain, experience my suffering with me and follow him. Because if you want to save your life and if the measure of your relationship with Jesus is according to what you want, you're going to lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for the sake of Jesus and for the good news of Jesus, the proclamation of who Jesus is, you'll save it.
it will be saved for you. See, I hear so many stories of people who are struggling and I know I've, I've had my moments where you're wondering what's going on. And we all want the resurrection life. We all want the miraculous of the resurrection life but we're not willing to go through death. So let's pause there. Out of the crowd, I want to go back to this mountaintop experience. Jesus takes three people aside. They go up to a mountaintop and they have this deeply personal and intimate account encounter. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. I mean... Um, it's hard to capture some things in words. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. Now Elijah and Moses are both people of historical significance and significance of the faith as it once was. They were both witnesses and prophets of a relationship with God. They were exciting people. They were exciting people for the heritage and they were people who many religious leaders continue to hold their value on and point to and here's this moment where Jesus is glowing brighter than anything you could ever imagine. This voice from and he's joined by people of the past and the history and a cloud appears and covers them and a voice came from the crowd and this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So here's a tension happening here because there's crowds and the religious leaders, the teachers of the law are part of the crowds and they're wondering, who do we listen to? <laughs> and three people get the experience and the word to say, you know, you can have all your historical facts and your prophets and they're valuable. Moses and Elijah, they've been fantastic for setting the foundation of who I want to be, but here is one who I want you to listen to. Listen to him. See, friends, crowds are a reality and there are times where we will be a part of the crowd, but just as significant and necessary are moments that we need to set aside to listen to Jesus. And if the crowd or what other people do or don't do is a source of our life, we will be disappointed. Disappointment feeds doubt and if we don't return to Jesus, then we're doing nothing more than listening to the noise of the crowd. got to do something because <laughs> some of us that would have been funny if I split my pants then wouldn't it some of us believe in Jesus we even do all the right things to say Jesus is the Lord of our lives but we don't see him some of us will talk about Jesus but we don't hear him. Some of us have been doing this for a long time. And we come and we tick a box and we make sure we're doing the right thing. And then we go home and we're bitter and we complain. And Jesus goes back into his hole.
and some of us will be more offended and upset that I've taken his name off the platform than the kind of life that we live in his name. Listen to him. Listen to him. And I've got lots more prepared. Listen to him. Over the last um, couple of weeks, as I uh, come back to work, uh, I think my, my, my brain hasn't quite caught up with my body, if I was to be honest. But I feel like God is bringing a holy disruption. Because we've moved in in facilities and we've settled in and it's, it's a good thing. We've worked hard for it. It's been a slow miracle and there's been miracles that have happened to see us here. But God isn't finished. And he's about to bring a disruption amongst us. And we're going to decide if we're going to follow the crowd of tradition, if we're going to follow the crowd of our community, if we're going to just go along mindlessly with the crowd that says this is how we should live life and this is what life looks like, or if we're going to be serious about denying ourselves, taking up our cross and follow Jesus. And I can give you all the tools and skills about what it is to listen to Jesus, but at the end of the day, you've got to create that for yourself. I can't hold your hand. And some of that's just, I think we have a convict mentality. This year it's been, we have a convict mentality in Australia because it's about surrender and submission. It's about who has authority over our life. Does Jesus have authority over your life? Does Jesus have the authority when your friends laugh at you because you don't do the same as them? Does Jesus have the authority because you go into your workplace and you live differently and you pray for your boss? who's an absolute jerk. Does Jesus have authority over your finances? Does Jesus have authority over the way that you serve in ministry or the way that you talk about the church? Incidentally, when we talk about the church and we complain, and I, I'm guilty at times, we're talking about ourselves and our own heart and our own spirit. We are not convicts. We are people of the, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Listen to him. We just do chorus across the line. Just a couple of times, sit, kneel, pray, go and ask someone to pray with you. Come and ask myself or Linda or Jared or someone you trust, who's someone who you've seen live a life of faith and ask them to pray and be honest with them. No, God hasn't got authority in my life here. I need him to, declare, I need to declare his authority over my life. Listen to him. You're made strong not because of what you've done or what you've achieved. You're made strong because the Saviour loves you. You're given the courage and the strength because the Saviour loves you. May He be Lord not just of bits and pieces. May He be Lord not just on Sunday because if He's Lord just about Sunday and the way that we want it to be, He's not Lord at all. 
So as we go about this week, may we declare that He is the authority over our lives. May we choose to listen to Him. May we be obedient to Him. May we not be afraid. And if we are afraid, may we gather those around us who will cheer us on and point to Jesus. Point to Jesus, listen to Jesus, encounter Jesus so that we might be transforming our community in the name of Jesus. We want to leave you to go and have a cuppa. You can stay in worship. You can have a conversation. You can go into prayer. Listen to Jesus. Thanks for being a part of our gathering today.